You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Recorded in Chicago, Illinois, with your hosts, Ken, Matt, Neil, and Jeff, this is Triviality. The cream of the crop! Hey everybody, welcome to Triviality, the show where lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. I am Ken, I'm going to introduce everybody around today. Um, I'm not going to be the host, but today we have Neil and Jeff in the studio. Hey, good to see you again. Nice to see you. Yeah, it's been a long time since the last recording. You could imagine that Matt's not here because this is the same day as the last one. Right. Well, well yeah, last time we said he was getting donuts, but uh, today he's actually working in a pit crew on NASCAR. But we actually have a replacement, Matt, who's going to be my teammate today, Matt Coleman. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, yeah, and uh, Matt, you're you're a big Seinfeld fan. I know you told us before, right? We're going to have to do a bonus episode for that. Yeah, I I am definitely a big Seinfeld fan, so... So we'll, we'll be uh, lucky to have you back another time then so you can uh, tell us all about the Marble Rye. <laughs> that sounds good. And tell us a little bit more about yourself, if you don't mind. Yeah, um, I'm from Wichita, Kansas. Uh, I'm an attorney here in town and been a big trivia fan for a long time and got into several of the different trivia podcasts and have been a big fan of your show since the beginning. So fantastic well, oh thank, thank you, you for listening yeah thank you so much and providing yeah. the questions today is david wilkinson how are you today not too bad how are you guys doing good thank you for joining us the second time i know you're on the uh, harry potter episode yes yeah, it's still still smarting from that one the the five points on the uh, <laughs> bonus rounds is what cost us and so me doing bad math and yeah it was a, it, it it still hurts it, it still hurts it so happened. i'm bringing some pain it happens sometimes you know we understand you just got to take that memory right out of your brain just like uh that pool of water whatever it's called jeff well can you jog the listener's memory on a little bit about yourself Absolutely. My name is David Wilkinson. I'm from uh, Salt Lake City area, Utah. Uh, I do data entry for the Postal Service, so I will be promoting this on our group there because a lot of people listen to podcasts. So h- hello to the uh, Salt Lake City Remote Encoding Center for the Postal Service. Hey, everyone. Uh, yeah, exactly. And so uh, we just do a lot of typing, a lot of listening to podcasts. Uh, love trivia. Uh, I actually kind of coincidentally found stumbled upon your guys's podcast at about the same time that i found something something birds and uh uh stuff i never knew or whatever that one's called with uh sorry about that jeff jeff revilla uh he's been on your show you've been on his show i found all three of you at about the same time and then through going through all your back catalogs realized oh hey they all work together they know each other that's (laughs) that's some good company right there yeah great great team of uh of trivia hosts well in honor of our host i say that our team matt should be called the postman cometh how about that (laughs) <laughs> ironically i actually had the same job that david had at one point in time when that job was here in wichita so awesome yeah, yeah. There you go. Right. We, we, same wavelength so the postman cometh versus team triviality i and guess let's so toss it to the rules guy the rules of the game are simple 20 questions split into two rounds worth 10 points apiece at halftime there'll be a special swing round designed by this week's host after regulation players will enter the final round with the points that they've accumulated and will have a chance to wager zero to 30 points on five categorized questions at the end of the game someone will be named the cream of the crop but the cream will rise to the top oh yeah and another great reading from the rules guy thank you so much he's so consistent he does that every time just one take super (laughs) all right without further ado why don't you go ahead and start the game for us dave 
Okay, okay, gentlemen, and let me bring up my questions here. Okay, first question for you: What team in the big in one of the big four sports leagues has an extended stretch of away games every year that is commonly referred to as the rodeo road trip? Uh, I know why it's called that. I just don't know the team, but you just want to go with that. Uh, I don't care. Okay, all right, we're we're locked in. All right, Matt. Well, um, I know the Chicago Blackhawks have. Well, used to have what they called the circus trip due to the circus being in the United Center. Um, the rodeo trip, I don't know. Do, do you think they would do a rodeo on an indoor arena? Well, my thought was uh, NHL as well. I know there's a big rodeo that occurs every year in Calgary. Uh, so I was curious if they did that in the same place where the Flames played. Wow. Okay, let's let's do that. I, did, I didn't know that about Calgary, but let's let's do the Calgary Flames. Oh, no, I was just going to say, so Jeff and I, um, Jeff wasn't sure, and I think the story Ken talk, uh, talked about was what I was thinking of with the Blackhawks. I, I just knew on the radio they always say it was the circus tour. Or I thought it was rodeo tour, but maybe I I heard circus, so we went with Blackhawks regardless. Okay, so we've got a Blackhawks, and we've got a Calgary Flames, and we've got a zero points all around. All right, the good cor- start. <laughs> the correct answer is the San Antonio Spurs. They take about a 13-game road trip in the middle of, uh, I believe it's February every year. All right. Well, we were kind of on the right track there, but it is what it is. All right. Next question, please. Okay. Moving on to some literature. Let's get some culture in here. What narrative poem is about a military maneuver by the British in the Battle of Balaclava during the Crimean War? All right. We're locked in. All right. Do you have any idea on this one? I'm kind of at a loss, too. Um, I believe it is the Charge of the Light Brigade. Oh, yeah, that sounds familiar. That's got to be it, yeah. All right, let's go with that. Uh, just for having something on paper, we know it's wrong. We just went Longfellow. Okay, so Longfellow and Charge of the Light Brigade. We will get some points over there for the postman cometh. It is the Charge of the Light Brigade by Alfred Lord Tennyson. Give it up to Matt. I love that name. Yeah. Matt it's always Coleman? Funny. No, yeah. I, well, I do love the name Matt Coleman, but I love the name the Charge of yeah. the Light Brigade even more. All right, go ahead with uh, question three. And uh, as a side note to that one, I am a uh, I, I'm a big time nerd, and I go around the country helping run Yu-Gi-Oh tournaments. And there's actually a Yu-Gi-Oh card called Charge of the Light Brigade that I was going to make an entire category of questions that had nothing to do with Yu-Gi-Oh, but the answers were Yu-Gi-Oh card names. So that if you had my same specific nerdum nerddom, you could you know win. But you know, didn't go that direction. So, but sticking with the military maneuvers and military. In World War II, the United States developed a weapon to be used against the Japanese that would have used thousands of these animals, each with a small, timed, incendiary bomb attached to them. Which animal is it? And I just need the specific. I don't need need the general. I don't want necessarily specific species and genus and phylum and all that, just the general. Okay. Any insights here? I don't know. I feel like I've heard the term, like, cat bomb. I just don't think that's... They put cats, but... Well, what did we send into space? Monkey and a dog. I was wondering, I don't think we could do that to a dog, right? Um, I don't know. I mean, what would be... They put an explosive on it. It would have to be an animal that could get in places that are small. How about some sharks with laser beams attached, attached to their, their freaking heads? <laughs> um, no, that was the 60s. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Couldn't really put it on a bird. I mean, birds could get a lot um, of places, but they'd probably be too heavy. Um something that could get into like trenches maybe i don't know maybe like mice mice get in a lot of places mice what i don't know how big your incendiary devices would have to be i'm imagining it might have to be a slightly bigger animal but yeah well if you if you'd rather go dog like or maybe possum or raccoon or something <laughs> uh okay uh i think i think we're locked in okay matt um bats kind of popped into my head but i'm not really sure on this yeah, I was trying to think. Um, I know I was thinking small animals, dogs, mice or rats, something like that. Um, I know at one point in time they also used dolphins for uh, expl- to, mm-hmm. to, to detonate explosive devices, but I don't think that's this one. Um, so I, I don't know. Do you, what like, are your thoughts? I kind of like bats because, you, you know, they had a lot of those like kind of underground um, – you know, caverns and stuff. So I think maybe the bats could fly in there and kind of navigate around in there. Sure, I'm fine with that. All right, we're going to go bats. Yeah, we we probably... I'm the Batman. 
probably could have talked it out more. Um, Jeff seemed to be pretty hard on mice, so we just went with mice. Okay, well, mice kind of are, you know, the non-flying versions of these, and we do get some points for the postman cometh because it is bats. Wow, well done. Nice. They nice were, done. I had a they hunch took, on that one. Yeah, they, they, uh, another thing I learned from pod, from listening to podcasts, they took uh, bats and, that were hibernating, had a bomb with about a 1,000 of them in each bomb, had a little incendiary device on the back, and so that they would release them, they would fly into, specifically in Japan, where most of their houses and buildings were built of built of wood and paper and those and flammable materials, so they'd fly into those all those tiny little crevices that you can't get to and start fires and basically burn down entire cities. Mm. Wow! But wow. thankfully, luckily, we never used them. Start. So it was, it was developed. Is that also a Yu-Gi-Oh card or no? <laughs> no, 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 no. Bat bomb is not. I was was thinking about putting a clue in there but i couldn't decide if you know it would be too easy to say you know bruce wayne approved i was trying to think maybe oswald cobblepot would approve but that might lead you to thinking it was penguins so no i think that was good it's just yeah we just didn't talk about it enough and uh, but now i'm just gonna now every, I'm thinking about grave of the fireflies and i'm depressed oh yeah there you go <laughs> all right next okay. question please question number four what is the difference between an acronym and an initialization? And all mu- all answers must include a correct example of each. I think I know this one. Mm. Matt, are you, okay. do you have a hunch as well? I have a little bit of an idea, but not really. Do you have a follow-up question or something? Or Me? Oh, yeah, I thought maybe it looked like you did. <clears throat> oh, I th- so you guys are locked in? Uh, no, they can... You can lock in. Sure. Oh, okay. Okay. So... The difference between an acronym and an initialism is a word, right? Made up of the acronym versus like... That, that's what we're thinking. So you, you put FUBAR for acronym, which is uh, <laughs> up beyond all repair, I, I believe, right? I think so. Yeah. And then initialism, initialization as uh, FBI, Federal Bureau of Investigation. Could be. Because it, it has an initial. I always forget the difference. I forget the... I mean, that seems right, logically. So you just want to go with that? Sure. All right. So we're going with, with FUBAR for acronym and <laughs> FBI for initialization. All right. Yeah, uh, we had kind of the same thing. Uh, acronym would form a word when spelled out, and um, the initial initialization would just be letters that stood for. So, FBI for Federal Bureau of Investigation for the initialization, and I put sharp skinheads against racial prejudice for the acronym. Okay, so you guys both are both teams are going to get points on that initialization. You just say the letters like FBI is the actually the. Uh, the example I have here, an acronym is when you take those initials and make a word. So I used IHOP as mine. Nice. Ooh, now I want pancakes. Exactly. <laughs> okay, question number five. First appearing in the movie Wall-E, what fictional company is seen in the background of several other Pixar movies, including being the company that makes Buzz Lightyear's batteries in Toy Story 3 and the company whose construction equipment was all around Carl's house in the movie Up? I will accept the initialization of their name so long as you don't take one week to come up with it. It's been. <laughs> it's been. Okay, we're in. Uh, even though I don't know that much about Pixar. Uh, I'm very not solid on this. Uh, well, my guess is given the clue that it was a reference to the Bare Naked Ladies, so I was going to say BNL as the company. Okay, I'm good with that. Okay, so Team Postman cometh in with BNL. What is Team uh, Triviality locking? I am inclined to agree. BNL. Yep, it is BNL, which stands for by and large. Oh, okay, that's interesting. Now that now, I won't forget yeah. it now. Yeah. Yeah, and it's one that uh, it's fun that if there's a, I'm sure you may have heard of it. It's called the uh, Pixar theory. Where there's a, it's a fan theory that all the Pixar movies are in the same universe in the same timeline, just yeah. stretched out, and they play a fairly large role in that. So, Cars is hard to wedge in there, but <laughs> yeah, okay. So, oh no, Cars is actually Cars is the most interesting one because Cars is supposed to be super far in the future after it's all a, humans it's a have been post-apocalyptic merger of humans and post-apocalyptic technology, post-apocalyptic hellscape. Yeah, oh, uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, humans humans merge with uh, robot technology and become cars. Uh, wow. Yeah. Is what's your favorite and, Pixar movie, David? Uh, personally, I I'm a fan of uh, Monsters Inc. I when I uh, when it first came out, I had a niece who was about three years old that reminded me just of like Boo that I you know so I love that movie, and now my daughter we even have pictures of it. I have a daughter who is just about to turn three and can be a doppelganger for Boo. So it's like it, it, yeah, that one <laughs> that one gets me every time. One of the characters from that was the one who uh, landed the plane in the Hudson, right? Sully, yeah, yeah. He, 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 went on to, he went on to make something of himself. Yep, he did. 
Okay. And actually, uh, going back to the Pixar theory, that's my favorite one is that Monsters, Inc. is the furthest in the future, and there's all sorts of craziness as, as to how that one goes and that the doors are time travel. It, look, Google Pixar theory. You won't be disappointed. It's, it's a fun read. Can't wait. Okay. It's a little so crazy. Moving on, yeah. So moving, moving on to question number six. Or question number six. If I were to hand you an item and tell you that it was in chaste order, what would you be holding? And for five bonus points, what does chaste order stand for? And that is chaste, C-H-A-S-E-D. Have you ever heard of that? No. When he said chaste, I thought he was speaking of C-H-A-S-T-E. That's what but, I thought, uh, <laughs> too. Yeah. Yep. what Neil's been being. <laughs> yeah. Um, For the like, last 30. Like something, something would, weirdly sparks years. in my mind. Is it is it potentially like, um, like some kind of sports stats or... Possibly. Or some, I, some, I mean, I've never said heard. holding, though, so that's kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know this one? No, I have no idea. Yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't. I've never heard this holding something in chaste order. Um, could it be like since, a, okay, uh, real quick, guys? Since it is, a, you know, it's a bit general of a question. I will give you one extra clue here. Okay. Uh, honestly, if you if you don't know chaste order, this one might might not be much of a clue. But I will give you the name Cy Stebbins. S I is the first name, last name Stebbins, and he's the one who is. Uh, known for developing this all right so they're in um i i have really no clue do you just want to say like arranged by height or something like that yeah i mean i was gonna say that yeah i mean that's fine i don't yeah. have any nope, idea nope, on this one. on this one so arranged by nope. height well i was thinking it might be like like sorting mail or something just given the background but mm. since uh, matt, well, matt doesn't, doesn't know, know it that, that ruled that one out for me um <laughs> Yeah, we didn't have any idea. Um, I, the name Cy Stebbins doesn't uh, doesn't ring a bell. He does. It does sound like a performer's name. So we just put playing cards as as in magic. Like they put them in a specific order. Okay, so we've got people arranged by height and a deck of playing cards. Somehow, magically, you will be getting five or ten points for wow. uh, team triviality for a deck of cards. And did you want to at all attempt the chase order? Did you have anything for that? It's it's what it stands for. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Uh, cards. Um, oh no. no no! I'm sorry. Tap I have no out. idea. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> That's happening? fine. That's fine. It's uh, yeah. Cy Stebbins. It's called a Cy, Seb- Cy Stebbins stack. It's a way to stack a deck of cards, and chased order stands for C H S D. Clubs, hearts, spades, diamonds mm-hmm. <laughs> is the order that you put the suits in, and then there's also a numerical order that you put them in as well so that you no matter what card somebody picks out you can tell what the next card of the deck will be gotcha that's cool i do love magic i should have known that off the top of my head and me okay. and just love magic together a little different <laughs> okay moving on to question number seven uh slightly less you know out there and weird but at the same time it's about the human body where on the human body would you find the pinna p-i-n-n-a it's been a while i definitely have heard it the I fact that it's not coming to me is troublesome. But. Yeah, but you, you initially, you wrote that down right away. So we're, gonna, we're locked in. All right. Uh, do you have any initial thoughts? Um, I mean, the only thing I can think of is the word pinna kind of has the same root as like the word pinnacle. So I didn't know if it meant like the top. So I was thinking maybe like the top of the head, the crown of the head, something like along those lines. Mm. My, my initial thought was maybe the knee. Okay. Maybe... Uh, I know it's not the kneecap, but maybe like one of the tendons or something like that. I don't think it's one of the tendons in the knee, but so the crown of the I mean, head. I don't know. I mean, that was my initial thought when I wrote it, when I heard it, but I don't really have any justification other than what the word kind of sounds like. Yeah, that's fine with me. Let's go with crown of the head. Okay, so postman cometh says crown of the head. What does Team Triviality lock in with? Um, we said it's on your face. Do you need us to be more specific? I will say you need to be more specific than that. I think it's the bridge of your nose. Okay, so we got a bridge of the nose and a crown of the head. Neither is correct. It is actually the outer exterior part of your ear. Oh, oh. that's mm. right. I knew it was somewhere on the head. That is the pinna. And if if, uh, if I'm remembering correctly from my... Uh, Biology, my human biology class like seven years ago, they said that the science has no idea why they're shaped the way they are, the kind of very gen, you know specific ear shape. They don't know why it's shaped that way, but it, it just is, and it works. Because so. God has a sense of humor. Exactly. <laughs> just look at the duckbill platypus. 
I have a, a way to remember that now because I'm thinking you get your ears pierced and piercing is like pinning your ears. So now I'm going to remember that pinna. If you wish. <laughs> if I wish. I probably, I'll forget it tomorrow. It so- sounds like a, like a ska band from the 90s, the ear pinnas. <laughs> okay, so moving on to something a little bit more silly since you guys like to have all sorts of silliness. Number eight. What was the first movie feature film to feature audible flatulence? Are you willing to lock in with me? I feel like I've heard this very recently, but it's not coming to me. So if you have an answer, I'm okay with letting you lock it in. Okay. Any ideas? I'm trying to think of movies with like flatulence in it. And that's not even coming to mind. Audible flatulence. I don't really pay uh, attention to that kind of stuff. Um, so <laughs> I'm thinking, um, okay, so flatulence, it's, I'm, I'm leaning towards, and it's someone that Ken hates. It's actually someone that Ken likes, someone that he hates, either a Monty Python but they're too highbrow, or Mel Brooks, and kind of hates Mel Brooks. But uh, I don't hate him as a person. Is I there, just don't really care for his. Is movies. there like a, a specific moment in a movie that's punctuated by that that you could think of, or they might want to make? Blazing Saddles has a big fart thing. Uh, History of the World Part Two, maybe Mel Brooks. Uh, I'm thinking of like Holy Grail. Right. Um, I don't know. I, maybe I, Blazing Saddles sounds okay. I don't know if it's right, though. I, I know there's a fart thing in there. I just I can't tell you if it's the first one. I feel like it'd be black and white, but I could be completely wrong. I, I'm, I, right now in my head, I'm thinking of uh, Psycho and the Toilet Flushing. So. It's not the jazz singer? Yeah, yeah. Al Jolson and what did not fart on camera, if that's for sure. Uh, hey, everyone, it's a talkie. Um, anyway, you, know, you just want to go Blazing Saddles? Sure. Okay. All right. We're locked in with Blazing Saddles. Yeah, I also had Blazing Saddles. Well, there is definitely a reason those saddles were blazing. It is blazing saddles. <laughs> Me and Neil, even though we're on opposite teams, just gave each other the pound. Just for being on the same wavelength. Yeah. Is that what you were thinking as well, Matt? Yeah. Once, As soon as he said blazing saddles, I was pretty sure that was right. Yeah. So. Okay. So now moving on to question number nine. Uh, this, this is, I'm looking for a specific band here. The name of a band. Although they are often misattributed with it, this band did not sing Stacy's Mom, probably because they were too busy pining for the girl that all the bad guys want, even though she was still preoccupied with 1985 because high school never ends. What band am I talking about? Yes. I'm pretty sure I got this one. Yeah, I know this one too. So. This is the band that did it. He wants the band that everyone thinks did it. Correct. This band did, the correct answer did not do Stacy's Mom. Okay, so we're locked in. Uh, bowling for soup, yeah, yeah, hundred uh, percent. Uh, these are guys that I have met once. Nice guys. Bowling for soup. We also went with bowling for soup. It's too bad because Fountains of Wayne is a pretty sweet band. Yeah, right. Yep. Yep. One of my one of my all time favorite bands. One of the first bands I ever got to see live perform right after ba- Girl All the Bad Guys Want came out. Bowling for soup is the correct answer. They often uh, at their live shows. They often they, sometimes they will play a cover of uh, Stacy's Mom because they get frequently asked if that's them or told that that's them and you know play Stacy's Mom. So and they're pretty funny guys. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're they're hilarious. Yeah, my brother uh, used to take me to see them all the time, and I, I remember the guitar player always would like give his picks out during the show. He'd do like a weird uh, strumming technique and then flick his picks out mm-hmm. in the audience. Not as cool as the guy from Blues Traveler throwing out his harmonicas, but <laughs> Let, less DNA though. Okay, so moving on to question number 10, last question of this round. <clears throat> Which actor, and yes, I did put air quotes around actor because basically all he's known for is his appearance in an Austin Powers movie, was also a mixed martial arts fighter with a notable, with a notable professional record of 0-4, including a loss at, a, at UFC 4 when he was submitted after taking repeated punches to the groin from a boxer. <laughs> But don't feel too bad for him, as he's now likely spending the rest of his life in prison for some truly odd jobs that he has done since then. I will accept either the actor's name or his character from Austin Powers. Wow. Yeah, wordy question. This is the uh, first Austin Powers, uh, I'm guessing, right? I, th- I think that's where the hint is, yes. Can you, uh, can you remember someone who was like a tough dude in that movie? Yeah, I think the hint is odd job. I think it's the guy who plays the odd job parody. Oh, I don't know his name, though. Who throws a shoe? Oh, that's right, yeah. Who throws a shoe? <laughs> really? Um, yeah. I don't know this guy, the actor's name for sure. I don't know it. Do you know the character's name or the actor's name? I'm, I think I know the character's name. I don't know the actor's name. All right, we're going to lock in with whatever he thinks the character's name is. Is that what we're looking for? The Either the character or the actor's name, right? 
Yeah, you can have either. Um, do you remember his name? It's like, uh, it's not like Mr. Takahashi or something, right? No. Like a formal name? Okay. No. Mr. Yamamoto, that might be Minority Report. Uh, welcome to the Gap. Oh, let me. Th- I'm trying to remember. He goes, this is my, yeah, I'm trying to remember. Oh, this I remember is- his name for sure. Okay. That's so not number two. No, that's Robert Wagner. Yeah. Uh, oh, man. What, what, is his name like Odd Job? Uh, I can't say this on air, so I was gonna I was gonna put that as an answer. But <laughs> <laughs> you, you could put it on air. We would just said so. Oh, just bleep it. Okay, fine. All right, we're in. Oh, yeah. So uh, funny enough, I just remembered this guy's name for sure, and his name in the movie is Random Task. Oh, that's it. That's it. Yep. That's what I had. <sighs> All right. Well, we're incorrect, but uh, we went with <laughs> job. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we've got one job and one random task they sound about the same actually but uh yeah the correct answer is his actual name is joe sun and he played the character random task in austin powers international man of mystery that's pretty great good good recollection on that you guys oh, so and yeah if you want to if you want an interesting read go to his wikipedia and look at all the stuff that he's in jail for he's wow. a bad dude bad dude bad dude all right yep. so, so that's, that's why, it, that's why it, it does you good look up Joe Sun, UFC 4, see him get on the ground with a boxer on top of him, just punching him in the groin over and over and over. It makes you feel good about your life. It almost makes All up right. for the killing. Yeah, it's almost. A touch. Almost. Well, at the end of round one, it looks like the postman cometh is up 70 to 50. Okay. So this one is titled A Case of the Mondays, but it's nowhere near as fun as Office Space. I'm sorry. Uh, thinking of some interesting ideas to do for these rounds, I came up with this one. I will give you 10 specific dates in history. Uh, notable dates in history, Not and you have you want, and you have a one in seven chance of getting the correct, correct answer because you will tell me what day of the week this occurred on. Oh, wow! So five points apiece, I take it. Yep, five points apiece. Great. Okay, so first up, I will just I'll go through them relatively quick, and then if we need to go back and go over them again, I will do so. Number one is nine eleven, September eleventh, two thousand one. What day of the week? Number two is the bombing of Pearl Harbor on December 7th, 1941. Number three, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s I Have a Dream speech on August 28th, 1963. Number four is the original Independence Day, July 4th, 1776. Number five, along those same lines, the original Constitution Day, September 17th, 1787, when the Constitution was signed. So number number six is the assassination of Archduke Franz Ferdinand, which more or less started World War One, on June twenty eighth, nineteen fourteen. Number seven, the delivering of the Gettysburg Address, not the Battle of Gettysburg, but the actual giving of the Gettysburg Address on November nineteenth, eighteen sixty three. Number eight is the death of Princess Diana on August thirty first, nineteen ninety seven. Number nine is Bill Clinton being impeached when he was actually impeached on December 19th, 1998. You mean I was around that day? You would think I would remember. <laughs> yes, yes. That's one of those important days. Um, and finally, number 10 is the crash of the Hindenburg on May 6th, 1937. Yeah, these questions have me saying, oh, the humanity, but uh, we'll get to work on these. I think I know three of them for sure. Which is weird. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances— I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. 
We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so Jeff and Neil are going to step out yep. and we're going to talk about it. So was September 11th, uh, 2001 a Tuesday? That's what I had too. I think it is a Tuesday. Okay. Um, I, I don't know almost any of these. For some reason, Princess Diana is striking me as a Wednesday. See, I think it happened on a sad. I think it happened on a weekend. I thought it was a Saturday for me. Okay, that's fine. I mean, most of these are just guesses for you, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Pearl Harbor, Wednesday, December 7th, night. I don't think he said that. Yeah, it's December 7th, 1941. I don't think he said the weekday in that speech, though. I had a dr- I have a dream. Let's say Sunday, I suppose. That would make a lot of sense. Gettysburg Address, let's just say... I think that was... I want to say that might have been a Wednesday for some reason. That might be the fastest Neil and I have ever stepped out and come back in. Okay, so are you ready for the answers? Yep. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, for number one, September 11th, 2001, uh, team, uh, team Postman Cometh, what do you guys have? That struck us as a Tuesday. Yeah, okay. I, I kind of vividly remember it being a Tuesday morning. Yep, and uh, that 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 is correct. There, there are a few albums. I believe Jay Z had an album that came out on that day, and obviously didn't do much in the way of record sales that day. So, uh, number two, bombing of Pearl Harbor, December seventh, nineteen forty-one. Triviality. Uh, that was a Sunday morning. Oh, Sunday morning and uh, postman. We went with Thursday. It is a Sunday, so points to triviality. You don't remember that that wonderful movie? No. <laughs> Pearl Harbor R- sucks. R- R- Ryan Philippe, 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 Philippe. Okay, moving on to number three. Dr. Martin Luther King's famous I Have a Dream speech from August 28th, 1963. Uh, this is uh, maybe a Sunday. We figured it was a weekend. Um, same with us for crowds. And also he was a he was a pastor, so we thought maybe a Sunday. Uh, the correct answer on that one is a Wednesday. Ooh, that's surprising. Kind of a odd place, odd time to have a odd day of the week to have a large uh, gathering, but it is a Wednesday. Okay, moving on to Fourth of July, seventeen seventy-six, the original Independence Day number four. Uh, we guess that it's a Tuesday. We figured this had to be a weekday that they would have been in session, so we guessed Wednesday. Well, if there was a third team here guessing, they probably would get it by by way of progression. It was a Thursday. Moving on, so no points there. Moving on to number five, the original Constitution Day, the signing of the Constitution on September seventeenth, seventeen eighty-seven. Postman, what you got? We figured that would be a good uh, task to procrastinate to a Friday evening. <laughs> Friday evening, okay. And then we've got uh, team triviality. We seem to be uh, shifted off by one here. Um, our previous answer was off a day. This one's going to be Thursday for us. So. Well, you're nowhere near close. We'd need a bunch more teams because this one was on a Monday. Moving on to number six, assassination of Archduke Franz, Franz Ferdinand on June 28th, 1914. Triviality, what you got? Uh, we just went, uh, actually, I can't read your handwriting. Thursday? Thursday. We went Thursday. Yeah, and I knew that this was uh, this took place on a like diplomatic visit, um, so I said Sunday. And your diplomatic visit on Sunday is correct. It is a Sunday, so points to postman cometh. Seven Gettysburg Address on November nineteenth, eighteen sixty-three. Triviality. I feel like that was a Friday, and I can't tell you why. And uh, Matt uh, felt strongly that this might be a Wednesday. Okay, correct. No points to be awarded on that one. Correct answer on this one is a Thursday. Mm-hmm. Split the difference. Split the difference. Yep. Yep. Okay, on to question number eight. The death of Princess Diana on August 31st, 1997. Go to triviality. Um, so I, re- I remember this specifically. Um, I was at my summer home in Michigan, and um, it was Labor Day weekend. And I feel like I woke up... Um, Sunday morning, having heard the news, so I said Saturday. Yeah, and we said the same Saturday. 
you may have woken up to that news on Sunday morning, but you're forgetting about the seven, eight hour time difference because it was on a Sunday then. So it may have happened. It may have happened and had you wake up to it, but it was later on in the day on Sunday over in the UK. It must have been Monday morning. I woke up to it then. Okie dokie. Moving on to question number nine. Bill Clinton was officially impeached on December 19th, 1998. What day of the week was that? Postman cometh. We went with Monday. We'll go for a Monday for Postman and for Triviality. We felt it was good for a Monday. Well, it was Bill Clinton, so they had to move it to the weekend. It was a Saturday. Hmm. Got to ruin his weekend, you know. And the last question of the round, number 10, the Hindenburg crash on May 6th, 1937. Postman, what you got? We felt that was a bad way to spend a Friday. Okay, and Triviality? We thought it was on near the weekend, too. We said Saturday. Well, let's go backwards a little bit and call it a Thursday. So it looks like we both climbed 10 points, bringing our total to 80 and your total to 60. 60, yeah. All Stay right. tight. We couldn't overtake you there. Sorry about, about that, uh, Princess Diana. One, if I thought about it longer, we would have had it. Oh, that's all right. I mean, that's a long time ago. You were y- much younger, Jeff. Much younger. That was 21 years ago, Neil. Which you were much younger. I was. I was a child. <laughs> all right. Let's get into round two. Okay, round two. Question number one of round two. <coughs> Excuse me. From the redundant department of redundancies department, what desert is na- is aptly named? Since if you translate its name, it translates to the desert desert. I think I know this one. Do you mind if I lock in? Yeah, that's okay. Uh, I, I have a guess here. I, I don't know why it's coming to me. I don't really know these type of thing, types of things, but I, I wrote down Gobi Desert. Jeff seems to think that that could mean desert, desert. I'm just trying to think of other famous deserts, but uh, Mojave doesn't seem like it would mean desert. So Gobi seems like in another language it could mean desert. I'm trying to remember. I know I've heard this one before, and I, I, I'm, trying to get, I'm getting confused because there's a few other ones that are like that where they're... Auto, basically descriptions of themselves but um i don't know should we go with Gobi bryant uh, or Gobi? sounds think? sounds good with me okay we're gonna go with Gobi. yeah i think uh we did have this one before and i can't remember if i'm remembering the right answer or the wrong answer but we went with Gobi. okay so it's a good thing that the Gobi desert isn't in you know Gobi bryant's not in denver but the correct answer on this one is actually the sahara desert sahara means Mm. sahara means desert in arabic Mm. i think that i think we had this uh, like a long time ago we had this question we guessed gobi and it was sahara where we're remembering the wrong answer well um sorry about that and the one i'm confusing it with is um chad in whatever language it is in central africa um north central africa means lake so chad is named both for the lake and the lake's name is chad so and here chad just means white guy's name yes yeah or your your (laughs) sister's idiot boyfriend (laughs) okay moving on to question number two of round two this one since i was on the harry potter bonus game i figured i'd throw you guys one harry potter question let's see how you handle it what is the full name of the headmaster of hogwarts during the majority of harry potter's time there does that include like a middle name It it every single name that he has not we're not we're not worrying about any of the they have like the designations and stuff like that on his that okay. they say a few times like order of merlin and blah, all that none of that just his actual names okay in the middle yeah I okay think so i have no idea if this is right i feel like in the trailer for the new um fantastic beasts they might say his full name so we're gonna we're gonna lock in and let the in. other team discuss all right so i had a sneaking suspicion that albus might actually be his middle name yeah he has a couple middle names i think it's the names, and I don't know the order exactly, but I think it's Albus, Percival, Brian is in there somewhere, and Dumbledore is the last name. All right, let's say th- Albus, Percival, Brian, Dumbledore. That's what you w- would like to go with? Yeah, that's fine. All right, we're locked in. Okay, so uh, Postman cometh locks in with Albus, Percival, Brian, Dumbledore. Triviality, what you got? I have no idea where this came from. If if this is if that's right, I mean that sounds better. The, no, Brian's definitely in there. Yeah, <laughs> we just <laughs> I, you're going to be able to tell us, David. You're the Harry Potter Kudos guy. Kudos to Matt. <laughs> we said uh, Albus Phineas Dumbledore. Phineas is the name of a previous headmaster, Phineas Nigellus, who they they have his portrait up, and they it's a fairly decent plot point in the, the later books there. Yeah, you uh, idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How, how dare you not know that Phineas Nigellus was the only Slytherin to ever be headmaster at, Dumb- at Hogwarts, and his po- his uh, painting is also in the uh, Order of the Phoenix house at Grimald Place. Come on! That's basic, Yo, man. Come on, I've man. never even read the books, and I should have known it. You're so dumb. You're so dumb. 
And uh, it's painful for Postman Cometh. You were close. The correct answer is Albus Percival Wolfric Brian Dumbledore. Yeah, I knew they had two. Wolfric. Okay. (laughs) Matt, are you a big fan of Harry Potter? You seem to know that pretty well or pretty close. Yeah, and I knew I was missing one. I knew there was one that was in there that I was just forgetting, but it wasn't going to come to me. That's all right. That was so. good. That was good stuff. Yeah, I was. I was when I heard those two. I was like, oh, he's got those for sure. But I, I couldn't remember there was another one. <laughs> okay, moving on to question number three. Here's on a little bit more up your guys' alley. Which professional wrestler also starred in the movie Mister Nanny? We're locked in. We're locked in. Okay, uh, team triviality. We're going to go with Terry Bollea, stage name Hulk Hogan. Yeah, this was a childhood favorite of mine, Hulk Hogan. That is correct, Hulk Hogan. Pretty easy one. Uh, and yes, Terry Bollea, that's always fun to look into his past. Just don't look into his present. Yeah, uh, as, yeah as long as it's not a hidden camera, you should be fine. Unless you want to see <laughs> or, or Pasta yeah. Mania or whatever that was called. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pasta <laughs> Mania, no hidden cameras, and you don't want to like, you know, just hear conversations they see he's had backstage. <laughs> okay, yeah, brother. Yeah, here's one that uh, I, I wrote this question because I knew it and I didn't realize that we would have a former uh, fellow data conversion operator for the Postal Service working here. So I'm pretty sure that uh, Postman Cometh is going to get this one correct. This one, you can either just you know explain the answer or give me an example. How are Canadian postal codes formatted? I've got it. I have friends in Canada. So they're locked in. Do you, uh, yeah. you know this one? I don't know it offhand. I mean, I have I vaguely remember this. It's like the letters of the pro- the province abbreviation, and then there's some numbers in there as well. But I don't know the exact format of it. Just go ahead and take a stab because I don't know. Uh, so I'll say it's the the province abbreviation followed by three numbers afterwards. So you said you'd also take an example, right? Yes, I'm willing to take an example. Okay, so uh, I have friends who live in Guelph, and their postal code is N1G4K7. Jeez. Okay, so N1G4K7 is correct because it is a six-digit alphanumeric code going letter, number, letter, number, letter, number. I see these on a daily basis at work uh, looking at the mail, and my I, I always giggle a little bit to myself because I'm silly when I see things like L0L, so I get to type LOL. <laughs> or, you know. Okay, so points to triviality, none for postman cometh. Moving on to question number five. This is our listener-submitted question submitted by me, like all the rest of the questions. Which state is nicknamed the Land of Enchantment? Which, uni- which of the 50 United States is nicknamed the Land of Enchantment? You got to assume it's it's a not-so-great state, right? They right. give themselves a name like that. <laughs> it's like when you give yourself a nickname. It's never good. Yeah. States like, call me T-Bone. <laughs> I, I got to get better with these. Like, this is sort of geography, and this is one of the things I'm just bad at. Hmm. You know that you know the state that's saying "call me T Bone" would be like Rhode Island. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, you're not T Bone. I could see Delaware wanting in on that action too. <laughs> oh, speaking of Matt, of your love for Seinfeld, isn't that what George wanted his nickname to be? Was T Bone? Yeah, that's why he I did want to be. Yeah, he did want to be T Bone, but he was more of a Coco. So <laughs> <laughs> Coco the monkey. I, I have a couple of guesses, but I don't know for sure on this one. So is this we the could Midwest. Just- Kansas? Sure, we can go Kansas. All right. Sounds good. All right. Uh, yeah, I was thinking maybe like an open like a like a more rural sort of state like Wyoming, maybe Alaska, something like that. Yeah, I was thinking it might be one of the Dakotas as well along the same lines. I felt like it was south one Dakota? of the either north Yeah, I kind of think it might be South Dakota. All right, let's go South Dakota. It might be. Locked in South Dakota. So, postman has South Dakota. What was triviality's answer? Kansas. Kansas. The correct answer is New Mexico as opposed to Old Mexico. Yeah, Hmm. that's right. New New Mexico, the land of enchantment. Moving on to number six. What color in the the TV show How I Met Your Mother, what color was the umbrella owned by the mother? Ah, locked in. Locked in. Red herring. I thought we were going to go blue blue French. It's not a red herring, nor is it a blue French horn. It's a yellow umbrella. (laughs) It is a yellow umbrella. 
It is a yellow umbrella. I, I had wanted to do a much more in-depth, specific, fun question from How I Met Your Mother that I was going to look up, but my wife's like, no, do something that you know people would have more of a chance to know. But, so, you know, we went with the yellow umbrella. And uh, appreciate it. what instrument uh, his wife played? What instrument what? Did his wife play that he met with the yellow umbrella? Bass guitar. Bass guitar, uh, yeah. Yeah, there you go. You could kind of do like a color spectrum mixing. Like if yes. you, one, one French horn plus one umbrella equals what? Oh, that's good. Moving on to number seven. What is the highest grossing film in history when adjusted for inflation? What is the top grossing film in history when adjusted for inflation? We're locked in. So I think this is still Gone with the Wind, right? Yeah, it's definitely Gone with the Wind. All right, we're in with Gone with the Wind. Uh, we're also in with Gone with the Wind because when all you have to do is uh, go see movies multiple times a day, you're going to spend money on that. And that would have been back in 39, Gone with the Wind. Special so thanks are you, to are you, Movieality Podcast for that one. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So, yep. Gone with the Wind is the correct answer. Okay. Moving back into uh, some cream of the crop rest professional wrestling uh, questions here. Who are the three main personalities portrayed by Mick Foley, all of which entered the same Royal Rumble in 1998? <laughs> are we locked in, Neil? Yeah. We're locked in. Yeah. You too? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know Cactus Jack is one, Mankind is one, and what's the third? Just Mick Foley. Dude Love. Dude Love, that's right. <laughs> All right, there are three, Cactus I'm, Jack, Mankind, Dude Love. I have to say that I'm, I'm sort of impressed at your recollection of that, Ken. I really am. He's, he's kind of unique. <laughs> uh, we went with the same. Okay, and that, that's the thing I love about doing, you know, general trivia question games is you learn where the nerd in the in everybody lies. You guys struggled with the Harry Potter, you've you know, missed a bunch of other ones, but you go to that wrestling and you get all three of them. Dude Love, Mankind, Cactus Jack. So that is the three the three faces of Mick Foley. So points all around. Well played to Matt to make sure both teams getting credit for that. Okay, so moving on to question number nine. In, this is something that I am very well versed in having a three-year-old. In the children's board game Candyland, whose castle are you trying to reach to win the game? And spelling counts on this one. So you will have to spell the names. And I will, I will freely admit that this is, it's been around for so long that it may have gone through different iterations. I'm going off of the most recent one, which is the one that we have. So it may, you know, it may, if anybody you know, uh, emails the show or comments and saying, I have my copy from 1973 and it's different than this, I'm going off of a modern version. Are you guys in? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, you go All with right. your answer. So these guys are locked in. I think it's like King Candy, but spelled like K-A-N-D-I-E or something crazy like that. I, I was also thinking King Candy, but I wasn't sure how to spell it, but I'm okay with that. Do you want to go that. with the double Ks or maybe that just the C and then the IE? I like the alliteration. Okay, uh, let's do it. King Candy with candy spelled K-A-N-D-I-E. I think you might be onto something there. Um, I couldn't get Queen Frostine out of my head. Um, I forgot about the King. She's though. a babe. Could be. I mean, there's there's the there's like the lollipop, the gumdrop, licorice, fudge. Like I was trying to go through the whole list, and of course, what do I leave off as the king? Um, but we said Queen Frostine. She was right before. Probably, yeah. And I'm not even going to bother having you try to spell it because that is incorrect. It is King Candy, but it is K I N G K A N D Y. Just with the double Ks. As soon as you said. Candy with a K, I was like, oh. I shouldn't have gone crazy there. (laughs) You went too far. Too far. Okay, so moving on to question number 10 of this round. Final question before the final round. In the Simpsons episode Bart versus Australia, what game does Bart unwittingly play with a random Australian? Isn't it that you guys have this on an episode where it's like something with a boot or something like that? Yeah, that's this is a different question, though. Oh, okay. Matt, do you have any idea on this? I think I'm close. I, I, I mean, big Simpsons fan, just trying to figure out exactly what it is. Okay, let's let these guys slack in here. I feel like I don't feel like a game is like a board game or a card game. I feel like a game is more like a like a physical thing. And I'm trying to figure out what that is. I've seen the episode once, but that was, I don't remember. That was long ago. All right, looks like the guys are locked in here. Yep. So. Um, it's a parody of Crocodile Dundee where he pulls out a, an object and he says, that's not a knife. It's a spoon, I think is what he oh, says. Yeah, knifey spoony or something like that. Yeah, or I think that's what forky. it is. No, I think it's a game of knifey spoony. I think you're right. I think it's knifey spoony is okay. what I wrote down. Knifey spoony. Yeah, 
crap. Okay, so Postman cometh uh, locks in with Knifey Spoony. What does Team Triviality have? Uh, we said hide and seek. <laughs> well, you know, Bart's sitting in there playing with his pocket knife, and an Australian comes up and says, Oh, that's not a knife. And uh, this is a knife. Holds up a spoon. Bart says, That's not a knife. That's a spoon. And then the Australian says, Oh, I see you've played Knifey Spoony before. <laughs> so the answer is Knifey Spoony. Great impression too. I and uh, yeah, I was gonna say, I was gonna say, you're welcome for those um, for those spot on Australian. And again, uh, apologies to our Australian listeners. <laughs> yes, both of you. I am. I apologize. There really are two. There, there are more than two. Actually, <laughs> there are more than two. If I look yeah. at the stats, unless they're downloading it a bunch of times. Any of our Australian listeners, if uh, you've seen that episode, can you please record uh, an impression <laughs> of it and then send it, and we'll play it on a future episode. <laughs> All right. So at the end of regulation. Looks like the postman cometh has 130 and team triviality 110. So still a close game. Could be anybody's. First category is Olympic royalty. Second category, obligatory Chicago question. Category number three, four corners. Category number four, triviality had better get it right this time. Pressure's on. And trivia and uh, question number five is in the category the bane of my existence, which doesn't really have any clues there, but I'll explain it to you when we get there. Okay. Better be a question about the character Bane from Batman. <laughs> <laughs> What's this? All right, so all the wagers are in, and without further ado, let's get those questions. Okay, and question number one on on Olympic royalty. The question is in the nineteen seventy six Olympics. Princess Anne of the UK competed in the in the equestrian events. Because she was royalty, she was given one very specific luxury that was not given to other athletes. Specifically, what did she not have to do that others did have to do? Number two, an obligatory Chicago question. On what date were the lights at Wrigley Field first turned on for a night baseball game? Question number three, in four corners, this is an all or nothing. If you do not get all four, you do not get any points. In which states are the northernmost, easternmost, westernmost, and southernmost points in the United States? And you need to have all four answers correct. Number four, in the triviality, guys, better get it right this time. Doubt it. Which, which state's name literally translates to mean Green Mountain? Okay. And number five, the bane of my existence. This one, to be specific, was I actually got to go on an episode of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire a few years ago. And this is the question that I got a little bit too hyped up by the crowd, oh, and wow. I got incorrect. So here is the question for you. <clears throat> uh, who did Neil Bush, the son of, at the time, Vice President George Bush, have dinner plans with that had to be canceled because of the assassination attempt on Ronald Reagan's life? Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. One particular argument, he ended up dislocating Ava's jaw. <gasps> Ava, she was such a tough cookie. Rather than cry or scream or anything like that, she... Or she, call the police. Or call the police like she should have, exactly. <laughs> What does she do? She takes an ashtray and she knocks him over the head and knocks him unconscious. That's how she fought back. She didn't know what to do, so she called Louis B. Mayer. I think I've killed Howard Hughes. What do I do? Revisit a time when the pictures were still big and everyone was ready for their close-up. When you want Tyrone Power instead of Tom Hardy, Jennifer Jones instead of Jennifer Lawrence, or Robert Mitchum rather than Robert Pattinson, then From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. I'm Jane Perlez, longtime foreign correspondent and former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. I've been a foreign correspondent in lots of places, Somalia, Indonesia, Pakistan, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I mean, China is not dropping anti-democratic paratroopers into Montana. But of course, we did see things like the weather balloon slash spy balloon riveting the whole country for a week. This is Face Off an eight-part series in which we'll take you behind the scenes to key moments in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. We'll speak with a diplomat, a spy, a tech reporter, a U.S. admiral, even Yo-Yo Ma. 
Plus, my pal and noted China historian Rana Mitter joins the conversation. We'll look at what's driving the two nations apart and explore whether anything can help bring them back together. Face-off launches April 9th. All right, so the teams have had a chance to discuss the answers, and those are in now. So let's get to the uh, answering portion. Okay, question number one. Uh, Team Postman Cometh, what, how many points did you wager? We wagered 20 points on this one, and we felt that uh, she probably didn't have to bow to the judges or salute the judges. Okay, and triviality? We went with zero, and we said bow or curtsy. Okay, and uh, you said zero, so you'll be losing no points. And but, however, Postman Cometh will, Cometh will be losing points because the correct answer is that she did not have to undergo gender verification at the time. Oh, that's right. That was that was much more primitive, and it was basically just you go in and let somebody look at you. And uh, she did not have to do that because she was a royal. Okay, uh, number two, obligatory Chicago question: On what date were the Wrigley Field lights turned on for the first night baseball game? Postman Cometh, what did you guys wager and answer? We wagered 10, and we said uh, never, because we had no idea. Okay, triviality? Uh, we wagered 10. We had no idea. Uh, we knew it was somewhere more recent than you would think, uh, so we just said uh, July 4th, 1997. Okay, and again, another thing that I learned from a podcast, uh, ESPN has a 30 for 30s podcasts about uh, different sports topics, and uh, Postman Cometh, you guys were close in your discussions. It was in 1988. It was August 8th. 1988, so 8 Okay, moving on to question number three. Four corners, postman cometh. We wagered uh, zero. We think the answers are Alaska being the northernmost, Hawaii being the southern and westernmost, and then uh, Maine being the easternmost. Okay, triviality. All right, uh, well, we wagered uh, 20 on this one, but I'll let Jeff take it because I had no idea on this one. Uh, we agree that there are only three states, Alaska, uh, northernmost, Maine, easternmost, Hawaii, the um, southernmost. Um, but for me, it's, it's really tough because I don't know if Alaska or Hawaii actually is further west. But in the end, we said Hawaii. Okay, so you did catch on to a little bit of the trick there. There are not four correct answers. There are actually only two correct answers. Hawaii is the southernmost. All three others are Alaska because they ha- the Aleutian Islands oh, stretch, the international date line. Uh-huh. stretch past the international date line, so they are technically the further, furthest east. Okay, so now moving on to question number four. Which state's name means Green Mountain? Let's go to uh, Postman Cometh. Yeah, admittedly, Matt had to save my ass on this one because I remembered <laughs> West Virginia was the wrong answer. Uh, Vermont <laughs> is the correct answer. Hopefully. And triviality. Uh, we wagered a big 30 here, uh, and we went with Vermont. Yep. Uh, I, I, I tried really hard to find a question that there was something called Green Mountain in West Virginia just to stump you guys. But uh, the closest I found was a very small hiking trail. So, But the correct answer is Vermont. So yeah, from a few episodes back, there are a few times where you guys answer, where one of you answers for uh, West Virginia instead of Vermont. So Mainly me. Okay, so moving on to our fifth and final question in the bonus round. The bane of my existence, the question I got wrong on Millionaire. So we'll go to Postman Cometh. Who did Neil Bush cancel dinner plans with? Man, that is a hard question. We just uh, had to make some relation somewhere, so we said Jody Foster. And how many points? Uh, Ten points. Okay, triviality? We wagered five. Uh, we had no idea, really. We just knew it was, must have been you know, mid-80s or something. And uh, Neil, uh, being the son of a bush, and um, his na- name being Neil, he'd want to have dinner with uh, someone who was you know, one of the most popular people around at the time. Steven so Spielberg. You, you would think it would be Steven Spielberg. <laughs> we should have said that. We should have. Uh, we went with Madonna. Okay, another uh, fun, interesting, well, not really fun for me story with this. When I got the question wrong, uh, Terry Crews, who was the host of my season, tells me, oh, I'm sorry, that's incorrect. And then all of a sudden everything stops. The producer walks out and I'm thinking, oh, hey, maybe something else goes, oh, I'm sorry, the camera didn't work right there. We need you to give the wrong answer again. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then Terry Crews bounced his pecs at you. Not only, yeah, exactly. Not only did I get it wrong, I had to live through the embarrassment of two times not knowing that Neil Bush had dinner plans with Scott Hinckley, the brother of the attempted assassin of oh, Ronald Reagan. How weird. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, so at the uh, conclusion of this game, it looks like uh, it was a tight one. Uh, Team Triviality managed to uh, hold on to 105, 
and we dropped 20 points and ended up with 110, making the postman cometh the cream up. Man. Stop saying f while I'm saying cream of the crop. <laughs> Sorry, go again. Because <laughs> I know Jeff. Nobody is the f cream of the crop. <laughs> yeah, say it again. We're the cream of the crop. But the cream rise to the top. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Jeff, Jeff was so uh, in himself about this uh, four corners question. He's like, it's probably only two, but I'm gonna say we're going to say three. We would have had the game there, but that was a really great game, really tight, tight game with well-written questions, uh, David. So thank you for writing those. My pleasure. Yeah, and thank you, Matt, for being a great teammate and uh, helping to pull me through this one, quite frankly. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. Matt's going to be on a future episode of Seinfeld, Late on Me, which we're working on. Uh, but before we get there, Matt, uh, right off the top of your head, off the cuff, no thinking, uh, what is your favorite episode of Seinfeld? Oh, uh, The Marine Biologist. George's uh, speech at the end, best thing to ever happen on television. Love it. <laughs> and uh, thanks again to David for hosting. Any uh, parting words? Not, not much. Just, uh, again, shout out to all my uh, fellow data conversion operators. Fancy word for uh, data entry people for the U.S. Postal Service up in Salt Lake. Uh, hopefully come on some other time for some other episodes and, you know, test out my new my new theory and my new plan that I've developed that, if I so long as I have at least 150 points, if I'm on an episode, I'm wagering 30 on all final round questions because the clues never give me anything, and the ones that sound like I'm going to know nothing are the ones I know. So just say, just go all in, 30 on everything. There you we, go. We call that pulling a mat. All right. Well, thank you so much for those great questions. We really appreciated it. And my for pleasure. my co-hosts Jeff and Neil, and our guests David and Matt, I am Ken, and that was Triviality. Lump there, you idiot. Who throws a shoe? Honestly.